You're listening to Hebrews Jesus is Better series, preached by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Lord, I feel as if we've been blessed by your word and your message, these acts of obedience. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the testimony of these dear folks. And Lord, I pray now that as we look to your word in just the next few moments that we have, that you would give us ears to hear, open our eyes, and Father, may your word encourage and strengthen and challenge and convict, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles this morning, look with me, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to finish the book of Hebrews this morning. We've been here, I don't know how long, over a year, I think, well over a year. It's been a a, a blessed journey for me. Um, It seems like every week that we've met around the Word, God has just spoken to our hearts exactly where we are at. And my prayer this morning is, as we close this book, this will be the same. Um, The topic this morning, and and really just, I'm I'm aware of our time. I knew it was going to be shortened because of this, and I'm happy for it. I want to talk to you this morning about the strengthening of struggling hearts. The strengthening of struggling hearts. We have... Um, looked at this book and a church um, that the congregation that the dear pastor is writing to were folks who were weary. They were worn. They were troubled. They'd been marginalized in their culture. Some had left the community and were, were discouraging others. And others were thinking about leaving. Many had stalled in their walk, in their Christian walk. They weren't growing as they were supposed to. And, and, and we know, and I think they had a sense, it was going to get worse. In just a few years, Nero would wreak havoc upon the church. And the wise and loving pastor who wrote this epistle and letter will now seek to use his final prayer to strengthen and encourage God's people. And my dear beloved, this morning, have we not, in our own world, in our own life, the Bible is so relevant. You don't have to make it relevant. You have to open it and read it. But in our own world, have we not, over the last two years, been in this vortex of emotions? And if you, like me, were weary, were worn, were tired, At times we feel marginalized, maybe frustrated or confused or unsettled or angry, and we can just go through the whole gamut of emotions. It seems at times as if it never ends, like we've been here forever. And my prayer is that this morning, just as this pastor encouraged and strengthened the hearts of those who are struggling, my prayer is that we can look at this prayer and find the same strength. Notice in Hebrews 13, verse 20, this is the prayer as he closes this great letter. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice what he does not do. This wise pastor does not diminish or minimize the situation. 
He doesn't say, come on, man. No big deal. Nor is his statement devoid of substance. He's not using cliches like, don't worry, be happy. It's not as bad as it could be. Or there's a pot of gold at the end of every rainbow. You won't find it. And he has not ignored their difficulty. Through this entire book, we have seen chapter after chapter of him addressing the difficulties that these believers were facing. But instead, he will now describe the God whose blessings he invokes. And and this is a, a wonderful truth. He is going to take their attention in their struggling hearts, in their weariness, in their concern, in their frustration, in their confusion, and he's going to take their eyes and now direct their eyes and their hearts to the character of the God that they know. And my beloved... This is always the way to strengthen a struggling heart. It's to look to the God that we serve. And so he now directs their vision and their attention to the God of peace. He says, now the God of peace. We live in a world devoid of peace. And I'm not just talking about global conflicts that have happened throughout all time and are happening today and will continue to happen. I'm talking about being devoid of peace in our Western culture. There's a poverty and dearth of the soul in our society that has so much that we we partake in so many things. We have every pleasure imaginable. But we find in our own lives a dearth of the soul this endless, restless pursuit of peace. And we tend to think that if I could just find that one thing, then I would find peace, and then I would find rest. And so we look in a person, we look in an object, we look in an event, and somehow that will do it. The problem is, all of those things do not last None of them last. The best day is over. The best meal is finished. The best concert ends. And some you don't want to be at because you might die. The best vacation comes to a close. And if we think somehow we're going to find peace and rest in those things, it is impossible. All of it ends. All of it. We had the the privilege and the pleasure. Thank you for allowing us to be away for almost two weeks. And uh, it was good to be away. The Mannings send their regards and their loves. My parents, thank you for your prayers. And uh, my sister-in-law wanted to bless us. And so she provided a way for us to take a vacation for one week in an all-inclusive resort. Now, don't be envious. That's sinful. Just rejoice with me. All right? (laughs) It's cold here. I know. It's cold here. Um, we suffered. And so it was wonderful. It was luxurious. And, and one day, Kim and I were walking the beach, and we were just noticing the surroundings. And about less than two kilometers away, there was um, just a place in shambles, just, just in, in ruins. And it was obvious at one point that was a luxurious uh, resort. And over time, it just fell apart. 
And we made that statement and comment together that someday this place will be the same. Why? Because nothing lasts forever. And when we see things like that and we stop to think for just a moment, we innately know that something is missing in our lives. And for some of you, you're not there yet, but what you've done is you've filled your heart and life with noise. Noise and self-made distractions not to think about the restlessness and the lack of peace in your hearts. It's a reminder for us that our hearts are void of perfect rest. This is interesting. Brittany used a quote in her testimony, and this was written on my paper um, last week. It is the quote of Augustine who said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And this morning, brother and sister, I want us to look at the God we worship. He is a God of peace. We used to sing an old song. It was peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Anybody remember that song? Yeah, old, old hymn. I want you to know something. That peace literally came down from the Father Above. Above. Our restless hearts have rebelled against the king of the universe. We in our rebellion have left the only fountain of goodness, love, joy, peace, rest, justice, love, creativity. And we have turned our backs and we said, we will worship the creation more than the creator. My friend, I don't care who you are. You might be distracted for a while, but you will never find real peace and real rest. It is impossible outside of this God. He is the God of all goodness and all peace. This is our God. And yet, we have broken his laws. We have turned our own way. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have thumbed our nose at the very God of life and rest and peace. And left in that state, we deserve death. We deserve punishment. We deserve hell separated from the goodness of God for all eternity. But this is the God of peace. He loved us so much that he wasn't satisfied to let us wander. Instead, peace came down in the person of Jesus Christ. God robed himself in humanity. He walked among us to show us what life was truly meant to be, what his kingdom was to look like. And in the ultimate act of love, he allowed the beast and the government and the wickedness of this world to crush him. And he stepped into our place. He stepped into your place and my place. And the wrath and the punishment that I deserve, it was poured out on the head of Jesus Christ. He absorbed it all. And he died. And was buried. And three days later, he got up. Rose from the dead. And all those who now quit with the restlessness, quit with the seeking, quit with the rebellion, and turn to him, we can have peace with the God of peace. Therefore, Paul says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1. This is the truth. And so, peace has come down in the person of Jesus Christ, the God of peace. Turn our eyes toward him. But, not only peace with God through the person of Christ, but right now, there is peace that we find ourselves 
in the here and now. In the storms, in the struggles, in the striving, in the confusion, in all of it. One of my favorite verses is Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. And you, I know you know. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and you will find rest for your soul. For my burden is, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And my dear brother and sister, in all of the, the swirling around us, may I once again direct you to the peace that comes through the person of Jesus Christ and the promise that says, in all of it, the storm is raging, but in Christ, you can be unburdened. You can find rest for your souls. In, in Dane Orland's book, Gentle and Lowly, here's what he says about this passage. He says, you don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Christ. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come to Christ. No payment is required. He says, I will give you rest. His rest is a gift, not a transaction. Whether you are actively working hard to crowbar your life into smoothness, laboring, or passively finding yourself weighed down by something outside of your control, heavy laden, Jesus Christ's desire that you find rest, that you come in out of the storm, outstrips even your own desire. This Savior, who has brought peace with God through his sacrifice, says to his people today, you can have peace with me when you unload your burden, when you come and give it to me. In our Christian journey, it's difficult. It's hard. We deal with unfulfilled marriages. Prodigal children, one lame job after the other, sickness, pain, loss, sadness, all of the uncertainty, all of the grief, all of the confusion. And yet, God says, I am the God of peace. Turn your attention from that to him and take the promise that we can unload these burdens on the shoulders of Christ. He can and will sustain them. So we look to the God of peace. Number two, we now draw our attention and direct it to the God of power. Verse number 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, the power of God. He brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. My dear friend this morning, we have a common enemy. Like, oh, good, here we go. We want to know. Yes, we have a common enemy. It's the prime minister. It's our premier. It's the vaccinated or unvaccinated. It's COVID. Right? This, is our, this is our enemy. We have, a, we have a common enemy. And I would say to you, you're wrong. That is not what we're talking about this morning. You and I, as humanity, have a common enemy, and his name is death. He is the great enemy. He is the great thief. It is the one who will claim 
all of us. All of us. If Christ tarries his coming, everyone in this room, in a hundred, or if there's young, in 200 years from now, we will all die. All of us. There was a researcher at Harvard who, who did a study and concluded that if we could take care of, if we could cure every cancer today, every cancer, every form, it would extend our life expectancy by 2.265 years. You're going to die. I'm going to die. We all die. And you can sit this morning and say, well, I'm not afraid of death. And, and maybe that's the case. But the fact of the matter is, many folks are not afraid of death because they never think about death. They, 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 they never think about death until death smacks them in the face. And they feel the lump. And they get the test. Or a loved one is gone. It is our great enemy. And yet, the Bible tells us that the God that we serve this morning, our God, has power and he has brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand? This is the power of God. And, and, and the power of creation is, is unbelievable. But yet, God in his power takes the dead and he brings them back to life. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's stamp of approval. The sacrifice was accepted. Christ has been raised. But not only that, Christ is raised, a stamp of approval, but the covenant is established. The, the writer makes it very clear. We have a new covenant, an everlasting covenant. The old covenant is old. It is past. It is done. It is finished. Christ has established a new covenant that will never be superseded. It is eternal, the everlasting covenant, which means there was coming a time through Christ that God now would be our God. We would be his people. He would be our God. He would forgive our sins. His spirit would live in us. He would speak truth to our hearts. This is the everlasting covenant. That power that raised Christ will raise our dead bodies. Believer, we have been delivered from the fear of death, and this morning the grave has no claim on us. None. None. And not only that, because of that, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. No circumstance, no situation, no illness, no tragedy, no pain, no confusion, no suffering. As a matter of fact, here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 38. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you understand that? God's love for us is so strong that by His power, not even death can separate us from Him. Power of our God. Not only has Christ been raised, the covenant established, but that care continues. Look at the text again in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. But brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, we have continuous care. Christ, now the living Savior, is the shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd of the sheep. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one. No one. 
in my sadness, in my grief, in my confusion, in the unknown, in the uncertainty, in the anger, in the dismay, all of it. He is gentle. He is kind. He is loving. He is a shepherd for his people. And this risen Lord who loves us will lead us all along our life. And because he lives, we will live, and he will lead us home. My brother and sister, direct your eyes to the God of peace. Direct your attention to the God of power. And then finally, this morning, may we direct our attention to the God of provision. Look at verse number 21. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This great God, who has already done so much for us, would now meet our needs by supplying every good thing for doing his will. He will. And, remarkably, at the same time, he will work in us that which is pleasing to him. This statement, it's amazing, and we, we must grasp it this morning. It reminds me of Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It is God who worketh in you both to do his will and do of his good pleasure. That within every believer this morning, we feel it. You, you feel this call, this urging, this conviction, this opportunity that God is saying, this is good. You do this. This is well-pleasing. This is my will. And listen to me. When we talk about God's will, God is not a killjoy. God's will is good. It is good. We were created for this. And so he says, listen, I am the God of provision. I have provided not only the steps, I have provided myself. And I will work in you to make you desire my will and to do it. On my way over this morning, I was thinking about that, that portion of Scripture. And when our kids were younger, they would have a thing called a, a Christmas bazaar at the school. I don't know if they still do this. But the kids would come home and they say, hey, there's a Christmas bazaar and there's gifts that your kids can buy for you. And all you have to do is give them money to buy the gifts. <laughs> what a scam, right? You remember that? Does that still happen? I don't know. Do we still do that stuff? Does anyone remember that? Okay, all right. So here goes little Johnny, and he takes my money, and he goes to the school, and he buys a gift with my money, and then he comes back and gives me the gift, and he thinks I should be happy about that. <laughs> and here's the crazy thing. I am. It pleases me. I find great joy in the gift that I gave him. He gives it back to me. This is our God. This is our God. He has given us everything for life and godliness. And he enjoys when we take that gift as he's working in us to give it back to him. You want your restless heart to find rest? Then don't just feel this from him, but fight for it. And I mean that. Philippians chapter 2, we read 13. Verse 12 says, working out your own salvation. It doesn't say work for your salvation. 
It says, working out your salvation. And as we as believers get bogged down in this world, and, and it is, brother and sister, we know, we feel it, but our eyes are focused on that and not on the peace of God or the power of God and certainly not on the provision of God. We know in our heart as he directs us what the next step is. I might not know about the future. I might not know about the government. I don't know about elections. I don't know about health. I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I do know what God wants me to do in my heart to obey him today. Today. And some of us are stuck in our lives because in the midst of all this swirling that's happening, we know what to do now. He's worked. He's called. He's urged. He's convicted. He's made it clear. And now we have to obey. And by the way, brother and sister, if God has given you light and you neglect that light and you ignore that light, why in the world would you get more light? We're not doing what we know today to do. He calls us to obey because it's good. It's good. This morning, there is much we cannot do. Man, there's some things I wish I could do. I, I can't. I have no control at all. But there are things I can do today as God has worked in my heart and life, as he has spoken to me about his truth, as he, is, as he has enlightened my eyes from his word and through his spirit, that in simple obedience I can do and we must do. And so, my brother and sister this morning, if your heart is struggling... If you're weary, if you're worn, if you're tired, if you're confused, if you're angry, if you're troubled, I would encourage you to take all of your energy that you've directed toward that and gaze now at the peace of God, the power of God, and the provision of God. What a difference it would make in our hearts and lives today if we would turn to Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 and make that the prayer of our lives. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that as Hebrews started exalting Jesus Christ, so it ends with exalting Jesus Christ. And may that be our prayer this morning. Lord, help us as we're distracted. We're all distracted. Help us today to look to the God of peace. And thank you for the peace that comes through a relationship with Christ and the provision for today to unload our burdens and our cares, our anxiety, our fears. Thank you for your power, knowing that there's, the great enemy's been defeated. The grave is not a place to fear. It's a door to open into life eternal. We thank you for your power. And then, Lord, for your provision, help us to listen and to do. We love you. Lord, work, change. We thank you for what we've experienced already with these testimonies, the sign of baptism, the story of the gospel. And so now, Lord, help us as we close in a song of praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen.